Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, no, this way. No, it doesn't smell like weed in my garage. No, no, it does not. No, I'm not recording in my garage. No, wait, oh, come on. All right, this is the Hearing Colors of Kill Sounds podcast, everyone. And <laughs> this is V, aka Vernon English, uh, chilling, vibing. This is. I don't even worry about the dates. You just gotta know that it's in 2022. I can't really even convince you if it's not on your like Spotify, but uh, don't tell Kanye West. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, hit the subscribe button. Let someone know about the piece. Let somebody know that there are awesome content creators in Los Angeles other than myself. That wasn't even a shot to myself. That was actually saying that people in Los Angeles much are really really cool and creative geniuses so yep i'm looking forward to what they have to do and what they'll be coming up with in the next few years like meet the robinsons damn it see now i'm quoting disney again okay so um just to get back into it and then i'll give a little bit more of my my story i was talking about the inspirations in the last podcast and why i don't consider myself the traditional writer if one could even consider what I wrote as writing other than some blurbs that you can catch on a blog or a message board and someone just types down some type of text and it's decipherable to someone who knows abbreviations if that makes sense in this day and age in 2022 I thought it was an interesting thing to actually type something out and then make it on a public platform such as Amazon or any of the platforms for that matter um, that was readily available and two, uh, that they could read on their pad um, versus me just uh, utilizing the printed text, which the printed text is still good too and everybody likes physical copies of books because I mean, it's a very personal thing. But I was thinking of my generation and younger and how uh, what I believe may transpire in the years to come and not in the sorrowful fashion of like, oh, well, hey, nobody knows cursive writing anymore, but to actually have obscure thinking in a very formal format, um, I thought was progressive to do so. And uh, then to me being from the street that I was, and I know I'm not like, 21st Street, Hard Rock, not, none of that. Like I, I'm a complete and utter nerd, and, and I thought it was an interesting thing to do so, um, so that others knew that they could do it too if they had an idea. And if they had some vision, all they had to do was put the, the steps into making the vision happen. And then uh, they could generate whatever it was they want. They could be their own bestseller. They could do all of these different things without um, thinking of themselves of less. Yeah, all it took was just putting one foot in front of the next. And that, that's pretty much where I'm at. And, and it's not even if I'm like some esteemed book author, New York Times bestseller, <laughs> none of that. Like, I'm just some guy who smokes weed and likes great, great stories. So yeah, that's generally wrapping up from the last uh, podcast of why I record um, these podcasts and why I wrote uh, my book. 
long, long, long time ago. Basically, layman's terms, I like cartoons. I watch a lot of movies. And you could say TV shows, but I hate commercials. So, yeah. Oh, and I play video games. Yeah. The quintessential nerd wanted to create a quintessential nerd story for himself. <laughs> I cannot express that in any other fashion other than that in itself. And I was getting inspired and I'm going to finish this inspiration um, for the next few months. And I'm preempting it because it usually happens every six months. And I would do it around like December and like spend some time reading my comic books that I've usually uh, catch up on, which I did a little bit of. I wanted to do a little bit more, but I had read so much. Um, shout out to all of the manga and these mangekyos or however you pronounce their names. Whoever writes manga, you guys are content geniuses. Really, really smart. Shouts out to you guys. But um, yeah, it was really cool to see how I'm just incorporating it into my writing style now and coming up with these other ideas but not plagiarizing obviously and vicariously I don't even believe in that it's if you have an idea and it's a universal idea then you obviously want to meticulously make it your own without making it seem like you just took it from someplace else so that's a whole nother different podcast. We'll, we'll get to that one. But anyway, I'm looking at these different stories and I'm excited about the characters because if I was a kid, if I was like, what, eight years old, 10 years old, I'd be over the moon inundated with an overload sensory of just all this information. I don't even know what I would be interested in. It'd probably be some video games. It'd probably be the same thing that I was before. I'm not emo in any way, shape, or form. But I am super, 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 like, I don't even know what you would call that. Like, it's not preppy, but it's like you got your own niche about something. Like, my one friends and pretty much all my friends when I was younger had the things that they were interested in but I always had my things that I was interested in and very few and far in between would it be somebody that knew of the things that I was interested in or even concerned with it in the first place because we were kids but you get what I'm saying like there's this point of creating this niche and that's what I wanted to create with my writing and that's what I wanted to create with the world that I was working on. Science fiction is a very weird place and you can do so much with it. There's so many plot devices and it's been around since, I'll, let me say, antiquity. <laughs> Word to all the writers and uh, great minds from the 1930s and 20s who created great fantasy stories whom I don't even know how they could wrap their mind around those things and they were still riding around on backs of like horses and stuff that's insane but for me 
I find myself at that same precipice though because I'm thinking of, you know, space travel, I don't know, traveling to, I don't know, a space station or two and having a drink up there, chilling, then coming back down here the next day or the weekend, spending up there. Like, these are different things in a mentality where, uh, I mean, it's unheard of uh, since, but I, I'm not a normal person. So, <laughs> correlating what I believe is my sense of normalcy would be like the Jetsons or something, or some other crazy fantasy that, uh, see, anyway, long story short, I got a whole bunch of ideas from these cartoons that I was watching, and ever since I was young, you know, I'm pretty much going to continue watching cartoons um, as a grown adult, and nobody is prompting me to do so if someone gives me the head nod and be like, yo, this story is really, really good, then I'll check it out. But if it's on my radar, then it's also something that, you know, I would want to check out eventually. Now, if it's too kidsy, like too like bubblegummy, then I kind of shy away from it. But obviously, if you speak with someone who, you know, a DC fan or a Marvel fan or someone who goes to Comic Cons, then they'll be like, yo, all of DC's animated films is legit. You should watch them every year because they'll come with something fresh every year. Straight from the pages of the book. And then I would agree. And then I'd be like, yo, okay. You know, you're solid. You actually watch cartoons. And anyone who says Marvel and, and they say that their cartoons would be better and I'd be like, well, are, are you talking the Disney Marvel? Or are you talking about the X-Men? Nah. <laughs> like, there's a different sense of how I look at these things and draw uh, inspiration from them. And, and I've had so many, and, and I'm utilizing it now in real time, and it's the reason why I'm mentioning it now, is because I'm literally about to go watch some more movies later today, watch some more cartoons and actually pick up on a few of those just to get a frame of reference as to what I was looking at, how they introduced the characters, what they said, what they looked like, the feelings that I got, the feels. Oh my God, the feels. Like, yo, it, I don't know if people, I don't, they do. Like, I, I know I'm not the only person that really looks at things in a very, you know, super analytical fashion, but then also a playful fashion so that later on I can better appreciate what it was that I was doing, what it was that I was viewing, and, and it, it adds to the experience so that when I tell a story, I can do those same things. And so those are one of the tools that I, I think for certain a lot of different writers need is to be able to correlate a story from their head to paper, to words, to color, and ultimately to a feeling. And you want to have someone be able to feel what it is that you're experiencing or what that character is experiencing through some way, shape, or fashion. Like you want them to have this sense of 
zeal about the story or feel excited about it versus it being like a school report. And sorrowful to say for myself, when I first started writing, I felt like that. That it was like, the dog went down to the corner. They awoke in a black room, but then their color started spreading and it lit the room up. Like, <laughs> I really felt like I was writing a report for the most boring newscaster ever. And I had it where I had to like just scrap the whole version of the book that I had for the first time. And I had to check myself and I had to reevaluate what it was that I was saying. The biggest, 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 did I say big? The biggest thing for any writer in any lifetime to me in my eyes is to understand what your message is. If you're saying what your message is, or if you're veiling your message so that the person gets the message afterwards. What is the message throughout the story that you're, you're explaining? And that, those were the questions that I answered, obviously, um, to finish my book. And I'll tell you guys, Certain things throughout the book I explain and certain things I don't explain. And that's purposefully so that I don't take away that experience from you. The purpose of me writing said book is so that you understand nature versus nurture. Um, who are you at your core? I mean, you have your memories, you have everything that you've experienced in life, but is that ultimately who you are? Or is there something inherently um, that is within you, <clears throat> that changes you, um, that is going to change you, and that constantly separates yourself from all of the things that have happened to you? Or is it a combination of both, nature and nurture? Now, obviously, that is a very loaded question, but I wanted people to have these answers, but never something definitive, never something that they would decide on after five seconds or even after me answering that question, they just automatically come to a, a solution. I wanted them to think about it and to go through their mind and to like actually spend more than a minute, you know, going through the Rolodex of their decisions and then interject themselves into the story and then see if they could actually go through a moon cycle or a month sitting in these characters' shoes and would they make the same decisions? In a joking light or even in a playful light, a lot of people will be like, yo, I, I understand that. And I've told this story to many people before and they're just like, yo, mm -hmm. yeah, nature versus nurture. I know what you're talking about. This very Darwinian. Like, these are intelligent people. Every person I've told this story to, they understand and they are very intelligent very very smart so that that's pretty much where the writer's room ends on this one and, and I'll go back into the story and what I was talking about before and so we basically were in the second book and talking about the little litigator of Celestial and the Green Kings right and I said that it was an egregious thing of how they all invited this kid to this council for this very important matter 
and how basically everyone there and then two how it really correlated into an open experience because it's basically like bringing your kid to work day and so then it was like hey kid why, why are you here what do you think about what's going on up, up on on the surface and all the people killing and, and raping and pillaging what's your take on the matter and that I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what uh, the council basically came to the conclusion of asking this young one, oh, and the Green King's obviously like, hey, man, if he brings this kid here, he, he's got his good reasoning. And so basically the young one and the kid says, well, first and foremost, um, I'm going with what I see. And I see you before me. And I see all of this and I see this beauty and I've also seen what's on the surface but to me it seems like you have not seen what is on the surface and even now I don't know what's going on and so to actually give you a proper answer I would have to see what's going on on the surface <laughs> now once again this kid is like two for two when it comes to making witty remarks but in a very non-confrontational, um, non-just uh, looking down on someone, not non-facetious-like. It's very uh, mercurial and very honest in the fashion. And, and the queen that held this head council laughs because even she uh, saw this outcome, but she still wanted to, you know, look at it uh, from a different perspective and appreciate that energy and experience even more and because of the result of what would happen and so the rest of the council members not jeer but smile and, and then look at amazement at the honesty of this young one as the lone representative to all that were on the surface now, generally uh, a child would lie or a, would be afraid of speaking to um, these beings and creatures from different realms um, just in their appearance alone, let alone answering a very uh, in-depthful question that usually uh, kids usually aren't asked. And then too, to speak this honesty and then speak this truth uh, was something unheard of. And the council falls silent and the Green Kings uh, smile, the elder one and the younger one, and them both understanding the importance of uh, them bringing him there. It's one of those things where they were doing so to meet um, for the outcome of what would happen on the surface and if they should intervene. And obviously um, the Manfreds and Femulas or the representatives, there were none uh, to represent uh, mankind in this said light, except for this kid. And uh, what mercurial and amazing thing that he did uh, because they decided afterwards and held this said council meeting to be, did, be done again afterwards of looking onto the surface. Um, they asked um, through which ones wanted to go and elect themselves. And obviously the Green King and the young Green King elected themselves to go to the surface as emissaries or rather just to be as guides and to see what was going on in the surface and to be their eyes and then bring word back 
and then from there they would make a proper decision as to what would happen um, on the surface. So that's basically all I have for the story for now. I'll go into more details. You will be mystified at how I got all of that story from the jumble of words that I wrote down, but it's purposefully so. If I wrote it down it, and then I told you, then I don't want to take away from your experience. Please, please do read the book and hit the subscribe button. Um, this is a thank you to all you guys who listen to my podcast and listen to this awesomeness slash ridiculousness that I spout. And um, yeah, this is V, aka Vernon English. Thank you so much. Peace, peace.